but it was pretty fun. We had a good time. My wife loves the pumpkin things, and I was fortunate enough that she eats it all because I don't like any of it. Well, I am excited uh, to be here today. Um, I, I do have a couple of requests. Okay, so could you guys help me out with a couple of things? So number one, um, I tend to move. So if you're like right here, and if I get past Miss Debbie, you got to wave and make sure I don't go past you because then I'm not on camera anymore. Okay, so, so Rachel, you got to make sure I don't go past like the plants, okay? Okay, and then number two, a few weeks ago, Aaron was telling a story about how you know, when he's in his meetings, right, and he wants to jump up and say something, he sits on his hands if he's not, right? So if anybody sees Aaron sitting on his hands today, you need to, like, kind of do this. Give me, like, a little bit of a sign, like he's starting to freak out a little bit, and that way it'll help me stay on track. Is that okay? Can we do that? Okay, awesome. Well, I'm excited. I am really uh, thrilled to be able to continue our study in the book of James. What I love about James is he is very much a, kind of a no-nonsense uh, kind of cut to the chase. He is a man of action, uh, a man of few words. Um, and what I love is that he is challenging us uh, to become who God intends us to be, both as individuals and as a church. Um, and so what I'd love you to do, does anybody have a phone? Who has an iPhone? Raise your hand. All the cool kids have the iPhone. So everybody bring out, everybody hold up your iPhone. If you have an Android, it's okay. You can bring that out too. So who has a phone? You have a phone? You know what I love about my phone? I love the camera on my phone. The camera is awesome. Like the camera on the iPhone 1 was terrible, but like the new ones, it's like you can shoot like real deal like movies with your iPhones, right? But what's really cool about the camera on your iPhone, you know what the best feature on your iPhone camera is? The filters, right? I can take a picture, and if I don't like the picture, I can put a filter on it. I can erase things in my images now. I can add things to my pictures now. The filters on our cameras are probably one of the coolest things we've ever seen. And filters have become part of our lives. And if you remember, remember when the pandemic hit, I know we all kind of want to like bury that moment, but remember when the pandemic hit and we all started working from home and we all went to what platform? What was the platform we were on? We were on Zoom, right? And Zoom has great filters. Now, confession. I made a friendly wager with one of my colleagues. Um, who, anybody a 49ers fan? Anybody 49ers? Okay, God love you. I'm a Cowboys fan. I know I'll hear it after church. So I made a, fr I made a friendly wager with my buddy. He's a 49ers fan. And for the next two meetings at work that I lead, I have to have a 49ers background as my filter, right? But there was this great image, this great video. And we want to play this video about what happens if we're not careful with the filters that we use. So can we play this video? Mr. Ponton, I believe you have a filter turned on in the video settings. Uh, you might want to uh, take, take uh, We're trying to, we're tr can you hear me, Judge? I can hear you. I think it's a filter. It, in the it is, and I don't know how to remove it. I've got my assistant here. She's trying to, but uh, I'm prepared to go forward with it. That's I'm here live. That's not. I'm not a cat. <laughs> I can. I can see that. Um, I think if you click the up arrow next to. <laughs> okay. Now here's the deal. If you ever hire a lawyer and he comes onto a Zoom meeting and he looks like a cat and he has to identify that he's not actually a cat, you probably hired the wrong lawyer. But the reality is, is that filters change the way we see things. They change the way we see things. And whether we believe it or not, whether we recognize it, choose to admit it, or we try to ignore it, 
we apply filters to the people that we interact with. And in today's passage, we're going to look at what does James say about applying filters when we're interacting with those around us. So do me a favor, open up your Bibles. We're going to read James chapter 2. We're actually going to back up just a couple of verses and start where Aaron left off last week. So we're going to start in chapter 1, verse 27, and then we're going to continue on from there. This is what God's Word says. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that our God and Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Chapter 2. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. You could put in the word filter there. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes comes also in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated amongst yourself, among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But if you have insulted the poor, but you have insulted the poor, is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law's lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Verse 12. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Would you pray with me for just a moment? God, we love you. Your word is true. Your word has meaning and it is our guide for life. I pray today, Jesus, that your words would come through me, that I would step aside and it would be you that is seen and is heard today. Pray this in your name. Amen. So I'm going to do my best to answer a couple of questions today. Uh, ask a couple and answer a couple. And the first question is, really, what kind of filter might we apply to others? And James begins to lay this out as he wraps up chapter one and, and builds into chapter two. And he, he labels some categories. So he has widows, he has orphans, he has the poor, and then all of a sudden he throws a curveball and he adds in a rich person. So he has widows, orphans, poor, and the rich. And what's really interesting is when James begins to lay out these categories and these folks that are coming into our church, he's making the point that they do not have anything to offer. They are without resource. And so one of the filters that we want to look at is, is that in the early church, the rich were favored because they felt like the, the community in the church felt like that the rich could give them something. They could give them protection. They could give them resources. They could give them money. They could help them in time of need. And so a lot of times in the church, in the early church, someone would rich would come in and we would want to elevate them because it was their responsibility or we thought maybe we could get something from them. And so the first filter, the question that we want to ask is, is what kind of filters do we apply to others? And it's the filter of perceived value. It's what can I get from you? 
Now, I know all of us are saying, Matt, we don't apply filters to people. This isn't who we are. But let me tell you a story about a friend of mine. So a friend of mine, he moved into uh, to the neighborhood, and, um, and he was kind of getting to know people. He was a nice guy, gets out in the community, likes to meet people. So he met a neighbor, and the neighbor, as he got to know the neighbor, the husband and the wife, uh, they had the two greatest jobs of all time. So this was like a power couple. They had a great, both of them had great jobs. And as my friend got to know, this guy know, got to know this couple, he met the husband, and the husband was an IT support specialist for In-N-Out Burger. I was like, and he was like, wow, that's a great job. You work for In-N-Out Burger. You get a free In-N-Out Burger every day of your life. Like, you know the In-N-Out family. Like, this is great. You can go anywhere you want. It's In-N-Out. His wife worked for Disneyland. Second greatest job on the planet. That's free admission into Disneyland. And, right? and this guy, you know, he's thinking, man, if I get to know this family, if I get to become friends with this family, I might get a free In-N-Out Burger every day for the rest of my life. And maybe I can get signed into Disneyland and enjoy free Disneyland. Now, the reality is, is that we will apply filters when we begin to interact with people. And you know how I know it to be true? Because that was me. That was me. I met this family in your Belinda, and when I met him, I go, oh my gosh, he works for In-N-Out. I wonder if I can meet the In-N-Out family. She works for Disneyland. I wonder if I can get into Disneyland around Christmas time, because that would be so great. We naturally tend to lend ourselves to putting filters over our eyes because well, a lot of times we want to find out what can we get from someone as opposed to how can I impact their lives. Now, what's really interesting is James begins to walk through this passage in chapter two. He is saying we're elevating the rich, but you know what? It was the rich that were actually oppressing the Christians in the early church. It was the rich who were actually taking them to court. And it was really interesting in that time in, in, in history, if you were poor, you were not allowed to bring a lawsuit against someone who was rich. If you were rich, you could apply a lawsuit to someone who was poor. So the very people we try to put value on might be the very people who end up oppressing us. And so that's going to lead us to the second question that we have. And the second question is, what is the one filter that really truly should apply to everyone. And so what James is gonna do in verses eight through 12 is he's gonna radically change and level the playing field across everybody. James is gonna turn our attention to what is the one thing that we all have in common. So in verse eight and verse 10 and verse 12, he does three things. Number one, he gives us a reminder. Then he's gonna give us a warning and then he's gonna give us a command. And then we're going to answer the question, what is the one filter that applies to everybody? So read with me in verse 8. In verse 8, it says, If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. Now, when he says you are doing right, that word right means you're living honestly, authentically. You're actually living out what you believe to be true. Okay? But he gives us this reminder and the reminder, he's quoting what he calls the royal law. And it's the royal law because it's found in the Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. And it's quoted by Matthew, or quoted by Jesus in Matthew 22, verse 39. So Jesus in the New Testament, he was having a conversation with the Pharisee. And the Pharisee said, what are the two greatest commandments in Scripture? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he says, the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. So the reminder that James is giving us here is that we want to receive that love. 
How do we see ourselves? And how we see ourselves then begins to teach us how do we want to interact and should interact with others. So the royal law is the law that comes from the Old Testament quoted and verified by Jesus. That's the royal law. So that's the reminder to see ourselves as we need to see others. And then in verse 10, he gives us a warning. And this is what he says in verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law, and he's talking about the Old Testament law, yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Now in the Old Testament, we, the, the Jewish community, God set up a system and he had a set of laws. And whenever there was a set of laws and there was rules that were broken, sacrifices needed to be made. So in the Old Testament, you either were guilty of um, all your, um, let me rephrase that, sorry. In the Old Testament, the warning is you are either perfect or you're not. In the Old Testament, and the way God set up the, the rules and laws in the Old Testament, you were either perfect or not. You either kept all the laws or you kept none of them. And so what God set up in the Old Testament was a sacrificial system. And we can see that in the Old Testament. Uh, and we look at the sacrifices that were made. But if you broke one of the laws, you broke all of them. So real quick poll. Anybody in this room, perfect. Raise your hand if you're perfect, if you've never made a mistake. So, G so James gives us a reminder. Number one. The reminder is to love others as you love yourself. Number two, realize that you are not perfect. And then he gives us a command. And that command is found in verse 12. And it says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Now, I don't know why Aaron always gives me passages that talk about judgment. Um, I don't know if he doesn't want to deal with it, but when I taught on Ecclesiastes, it, was, it ends up with judgment. But what's great is that whenever the Bible talks about judgment, it talks about God's work and how we are seen in God's eyes. It talks about the redemptive power that God has because of the sin in our lives. So when James gives us this command to speak and act as those who are going to be judged by a law that gives freedom, what he is talking about is he is talking about the redemptive work of Christ on the cross. What James is reminding us of and asking us to do is to speak and act to talk to, to interact with, as we are engaging in our community, to speak and to act knowing that we have been forgiven by God. Knowing that those that we interact with also need to be and want to be forgiven by God. So that speak and act is our reminder that the filters that we put over our eyes, when we are interacting with those around us, must include and must be built on the redemptive work of Christ. And in verse 13, James gives us that answer to this final question. What is the one filter that applies to everybody? It's the filter of God's mercy. That's the answer to that question. What's the one filter that applies to everybody? It is the filter of God's mercy. And in verse 13, it says, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful, mercy triumphs over judgment. Knowing that we have been shown mercy changes the way we see other people. If filters change the way we see things, if I take a picture on my phone and I apply a filter, it changes the way I see that image. If I put a filter in the back of my Zoom, it changes the way people see me. If filters change the way we see things, then at the base, at the level playing field, there is no difference between me and anyone that I interact with. It doesn't matter what kind of car I drive. I could drive a, a Tercel, 
I could drive, I could drive a Tesla. It doesn't matter how much money I make. It doesn't matter what city I live in. It doesn't matter if my area code on my phone is a 949, a 714, a 909, or a 951. It doesn't matter if my zip code is Eastvale, Norco, or anywhere in the Inland Empire. It doesn't matter the differences, the filters that we put on people. It doesn't matter about my income, my job. I could work in a warehouse. I could be an executive at a company. It doesn't matter anymore. The filter that puts over my eyes is that I need God's mercy. And if I need God's mercy, then I see people through that lens that they need God's mercy too. The one filter that applies to everybody is we all need God's mercy. And James is really bringing home this point that it is mercy that triumphs over judgment. So guess what? We're all sinners. We all need God's mercy. And the truth is, is that one day all of us will stand before God and there will be judgment. But what James closes this passage out with is that God's mercy, the death and redemptive work of Christ on the cross, by seeing that and receiving that, that that mercy wins over. That's what triumphs means. It wins over the judgment. When James says it triumphs, God's mercy wins over God's judgment. Knowing that we have been shown mercy, we now see others through the filter of God's mercy for us. Now, in Roman times, there was a caste system. I, don't, I didn't know this. So in my study of, of the passage today, there was a caste system in the Roman Empire. And the early church was very aware of their place within the Roman, uh, in the Roman Empire. The Jewish Christians understood that if you were a Roman soldier, you were at the top of the caste system. You had all the rights and privileges in the Roman Empire. After that, they had their politicians, and after that, they had Roman citizens. But there was an order, a hierarchy, a human hierarchy in the Roman caste system. And, and the early church, and what Paul says in Colossians 3.11 the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Colossians, and, and in chapter 3, verse 11, he says this. Here, and when he's talking about here, he's talking about the church. When Paul is talking about here, he's talking about the church. There is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is in all, and Christ is all and is in all. In the Roman caste system, there was a hierarchy. But in God's church, there isn't a hierarchy. There isn't a hierarchy in God's church. We are all equal in God's sight. The filter of God's mercy levels the playing field. What was so attractive about the early church, and we talked about this when we studied Romans not too long ago, the church was exploding when it started. Do you know why the church was exploding when it started? It's because when someone walked in, they felt like and knew that they belonged, that they were accepted that they were willing and able to be a part of a community that loved and cared for them just who they were, where they were in their life. Everyone was welcome. So let me ask one last question this morning. Shouldn't the church today look like the early church? When someone walks into our community, shouldn't they feel loved, welcome, and cared for? Shouldn't we as a church put the filter of God's mercy over our eyes as we interact with those around us. Aaron, how many people come to Trunk or Treat? 12,000. 12, In just a few days, we're going to have an opportunity to have 12,000 people walk by 10 or 15 of our cars. 
Shouldn't we in that moment, as the church, look at all of those 12,000 peoples and think, I have God's mercy. I've received God's mercy. I now have this great opportunity to extend God's mercy to those 12,000 people who are gonna walk by our cars. And we have an opportunity to invite them into to this church, to this location. I think that is an incredible opportunity that we have. So as we close, I would just ask one more time, shouldn't the church today look like it did in the early church? God, we love you. We are grateful for your mercy. We are grateful for your kindness. We are grateful for everything that you do for us. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us your eyes of mercy. In Jesus' name.